This is Passing for Normal, conversations with authors, artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World, the funniest book about love, sex, and GMO seeds you'll ever read. But mostly, it's about everyday courage and what it takes to get there in your own personal, even unconventional way. So join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Welcome to Passing for Normal. Today, my guest is shamanic healer Amanda Folger. Shamanism is an ancient system for healing, well-being, guidance, and growth using human abilities of the body, mind, and spirit. For the past 30 years, Amanda Folger has been a shamanic practitioner and teacher based in Topanga, California. For that time, she has been on the faculty of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. She works privately with clients as well as creating personal group ceremony and rites of passage. She receives referrals from psychotherapists, ministers, and healthcare practitioners. She has been a presenter at many special events and conferences. Today, practicing shamans work in culturally specific indigenous systems as well as in non-denominational core shamanic practices and methods of contemporary life. As a form of spiritual practice, core shamanism connects us to the multidimensional network of spiritual support to assist with the many conditions, questions, and problems of human life. Amanda is renowned as a spiritual leader and creator of ceremony and carries the core of nature and the natural world wherever she walks. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you, Sharon. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to have you here and be able to delve into this conversation with you about shamanism and the spirit world. Um, So you are a healer and a keeper of the natural world. Can you describe to our listeners what core shamanism is and how it relates to change? Mm, Big question. Uh, (laughs) Simple simple answer uh, is core shamanism is a kind of modern iteration of what was really the core of a lot of um, shamanic teachings and practices cross-culturally in various different spiritual traditions and in different cultures and times and places. And Michael Harner, my principal teacher in core shamanism, did a lot of field work and also had some deep experiences um, particularly in some of his work in South America, and was really awakened to the reality of this of the spirit world. And when he returned, he did over two years of work in South America, went back another time a little bit down the line. But when he came back, he was very interested in exploring different shamanic cultures and began to realize that there was a great legacy of human experience. So much of what goes on in different shamanic cultures is very similar. Uh, these basic areas of healing, uh, basic areas of empowerment, basic areas of getting uh, answers to questions, um, different ways of getting in touch with the spirits um, that are really helping and healing in nature. Yes, there are other kinds of spirits too, and part of the training and the practice is to learn which spirits are useful. Uh, which spirits are helpful. But um, 
this very basic notion of, yeah, the old saying, we are all spirits having a human experience. And it's really Mm -hmm. true. Um, You know, the trees, the rocks, the plants, the birds, you know, everybody, we're all here, you know, as Buckminster Fuller put it, you know, on Spaceship Earth, uh, having this remarkable experience of being embodied and that so many shamanic cultures arrived at this idea and also that you could work directly with spiritual resources for guidance and help in your life. Some things extremely practical. Think about people uh, needing sources of food. Think about people needing to know safe places to go in times of emergencies or fires or uh, challenges, conflicts, and so on. Um, You know, very basic human needs on the one hand, and on the other hand also recognizing that things that happen in this reality have a spiritual aspect and that's what shamanism does is it deals with the spiritual aspect of uh, what goes on uh, in this world and so there may be also physical things like you have a broken leg yeah you want to get that bone set and you want to have it you know in a good place um, to be healed physically but there may also be uh, a spiritual aspect uh, to that injury to that illness or to the results uh, that the things that come out of having had that injury or that illness. Um, so, what do you mean when you say a spiritual aspect to that in, in, uh, injury? Do you mean like a, a a cause, or what do you mean when you say well, that? Well, there could be, uh, for example, there's just first of all the shock of having an injury, or mm-hmm. what happens when you're feeling ill. You start to feel dispirited, and that's a very accurate term from shamanic point of view. You could, in fact, lose a part of your life essence because of the shock, because of the trauma. We speak about that kind of experience as soul loss. Um, There can also be uh, times when we might feel disempowered. Uh, And again, in shamanic thinking, our sense of feeling empowered is really connected to our sense of belonging and our sense of being connected to resources beyond us Um, and feeling ourselves part of the great web of life and feeling ourselves also connected to spiritual resources that are personal to us, that support us, help us to feel strong, confident, help us to feel, you know, secure, Mm -hmm. help us to feel, you know, all the good things that we really need to feel to have a good functional life. Mm -hmm. So there, there may also be sometimes an understanding that indeed, There can be bad thoughts, bad experiences, bad spirits, so to speak, that could, in fact, interfere with our health or or our well-being, and we may want to do something about preventing that. Or if a person say, we know in science, um, you have a bacteria, you have a virus. Well, Mm -hmm. we would think about the bacteria and the virus as having a spiritual aspect as well as the physical aspect. Uh-huh, yes. So we might deal with it on that level as well as, yeah, taking your medication and, you know, doing all the protocol mm-hmm. that your doctor tells you to do. Yes. So how do you access this spirit world? How do you personally access the spirit world? And how do you guide others to have access? Well, there's a lot of tried and true ways, but... Essentially, the most common worldwide, interestingly enough, is what has come to be called sonic driving. In other words, something in sound, voice, music, dance, uh, rhythm, 
some kind of a rhythm. And we do know now in relatively modern times, I think the first studies around this were done in the 50s, 60s, uh, that you know, four to eight beats a second of a drum beat or of some kind of click stick or, you know, some rattle, something like that, singing, um, be, can begin to alter your brain waves and get mm-hmm. you into what we call a shamanic state of consciousness, which means uh-huh. we're moving from kind of alpha alert more towards theta states of consciousness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. those states of consciousness that we can access what Carlos Castaneda called the non-ordinary reality. And so that's the most common way. Yes, there are people who use uh, psychotropic plants. The world's cultures, up until relatively recent times, per, you know, Michael estimated that it was something like perhaps 20% of the world's cultures might use psychotropic plants to get into altered states of consciousness and have spiritual experiences. Um, and again, other kinds of things, vision fasting, being alone for extended periods of time in nature, um, you know, those kinds of things also. These can also be times and places and ways in which we can definitely cultivate this altered state of consciousness where we can be in touch with the spirit world. Mm -hmm. So if I... um if I go on a on a vision fast or if I, you know, listen to these these rhythms uh that alter my brain waves, can I go into these states by myself? Do I need a guide? Do I need someone to uh be a conduit for me? You know, the whole the whole bottom line on this is in so many things in life is intention. Um so Yes, we can get into altered states sometimes. Um, you know, there's a big interest in trance dance and a lot of things like that these days. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is not necessarily focused on using uh, those kinds of practices to connect consciously with helping and healing spirits in other realities. Uh, the shamanic paradigm cross-culturally is uh, mostly that there really are kind of several different worlds. We have this world, the ordinary reality world, which has a physical, material aspect to it, also has a spiritual aspect to it. We all know about our thoughts, our emotions, um, you know, things like that can affect us that are not Mm -hmm. material. Uh, Then we also have these other worlds, which are generally described as being either above or below this world, which are entirely Mm -hmm. non-ordinary. And it's in those realms that we go for connecting with the helping and the healing spirits that we want to work with in shamanic practice. If people are doing things that are not helping and healing, we would call that sorcery, meaning that people are uh-huh. doing something for their own interests, they're doing something uh, on a spiritual level to get, you know, empower themselves, you know, do something that is really not helpful to others. Mm-hmm. And really the the core of shamanic cultures is really very much about helping and healing and guidance and growth, as you said at the beginning um, of our conversation. So when you have those intentions of connecting with those kinds of spirits, moving outside of this reality in a conscious way, an intentional way, being relaxed, being prepared, you know, you want to have optimum circumstances to do this kind of work and to do this kind of practice. Um, and so in our shamanic trainings through the foundation, um, 
you know, we make a we set that up, you know, very clearly, and um, really help people uh, not by doing a guided imagery kind of practice, but just by saying, check this out, follow these very simple directions, have this clear intention. You know, we'll have some drumming going on here, and um, and let that kind of be a carrier wave that allows you to go in your own way into some of these other realities and see what you meet and see what happens for you. So we we do have, I would say, controlled conditions that we try to set Mm -hmm. up for people, but we don't try to control exactly what happens. Um, And uh, we want people to have their own experiences. And obviously our own experiences are, you know, what's most compelling and what's most real for us. And, and I think in the end is going to be what's most helpful also. So when someone meets a spirit guide or someone uh, travels to these other realms, are they meeting images? Are they meeting, are they being given information through something they might hear or something they might see? How, how is it that they experience this journey? It could be any or all of the above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People mm-hmm. sometimes are very visual, and we in our culture tend to put a great deal of emphasis on a visual experience. And it's not necessarily like that. Um, it might be just something very simple of some kind of truth uh, in your own being where you know something to be true or you get some kind of a message or some kind of a understanding uh, that comes because you've had a very particular request or you've had a very particular need or wish to make contacts with helping and healing spirits. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are very visual. Some people are very uh, auditory. They kind of hear stuff. Some people are very kinesthetic and kind of feel stuff in their body, and that's how they get to it. Or, you know, some people have a very clear, as I said, message of some kind that comes as a thought or a feeling. And the idea is, over time, it's like you need to learn your own language of spirit. Uh, what is the what is the way you connect? Ideally, we want to have all of the senses involved, and we want to have, you know, kind of a, a very complete experience. But it doesn't always happen that way, and not everybody is visual, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. So you you have to kind of learn through a lot of practice and experience. Yeah, this is very definitely, I get it. I, I, I am in touch with something beyond me. Um, I am getting some kind of very clear message or some kind of very clear connection. Um, sometimes people have experiences in dreams, you know, that are very compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's this world of myths and dream. Um, it's very much the kind of world we, we do get in touch with consciously in shamanic work. And it's not just getting in touch with it just to get in touch with it. It usually has, you know, very specific uh, reasons. We do want mm-hmm. to be in touch yes. with sources of power. We want to get help or healing. We want to get some kind of guidance in our life or for somebody else. And, you know, those are the things that we're after uh, in classic shamanic practice. Yes. Well, you've you've talked to me about one of the things or one of that shamanic practice is doing is making the world sacred again. Mm. That because of the relationship to all spirits in all in all things in the natural world, that somehow that somehow in our lives, the way that we live our lives in modern life, that we are removed from the sense of the sacred. 
oh, and that and that you are helping people to re-enter the sense of the sacred in their lives. Oh, I, I think this is crucial. And, you know, there's there's a lot going on in different aspects of spiritual practice these days, um, Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, so on and so forth. Really, I think what what at the core is really the same is this sense that there is that sacred part of us, that part of us that is pure spirit. We, If we really think about it, we don't know of another planet like this one at all. Uh, we have an extraordinary opportunity to have an embodied life. We have this amazing evolutionary journey that we've all been part of uh, for a very, very long time. If you just take a look at our genetics, you know, you go back in the genetics and we're related to everything and everything is related to us. We are not actually separate um, in terms of that essence of us, but we're separate individuals in terms of our embodied form. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of shamanic cultures uh, had a, a deep sense of being connected to this sacred center of things and that, you know, it doesn't mean everybody was a saint or everybody lived, you know, everything was, was hunky-dory every, all the time, but there was that sense of, yeah, we're connected to the weather. <laughs> we're connected yeah. to the earth. We're connected yes. to what goes on around us. We're not separate from that. And, you know, in what way can we come together and I think as human beings the way we have evolved over a very very long time and hopefully for some more time to come um, is yeah we have now consciousness that we can bring to the table choices that we can consciously make to really enter into being responsible players in the world that we want to have I think we all want to be happy. We all want to be living in harmony. We all would like to have everything work uh, in a good way. We've grown so rapidly as human beings on the planet, and we have now gotten very involved in the the ecological systems of the planet in the ways that we live. We are affecting uh, what happens here on the planet in terms of weather, in terms of water, yes. everything. We all know this. I mean, what's happened is that we are now kind of at a crisis point where the knowledge of, of yep, we really do have climate change. Yep, we really only have so much water. Yep, you know, we really mm. have to figure out how we're going to have enough food and have enough of everything that we need to make a life that works. And if we come together on these matters... I think we can make it work, but if we don't, then we're going to we're already paying some dues, and we're going to start paying more dues as times go by. And the dues are not just affecting us humans; affecting every life form. The number of life forms that's disappearing on the planet is shockingly huge. Now we know, you know, what is it? A quarter, a third of something of the life forms is kind of gone now. Um, So we really have to, you know, kind of sit up and say, wow, what is it that we can do? What is it I can do to be living in a in a way that's going to make a sustainable life? And do you think that that thing that I can do is, is to really recognize and honor my connection to the spirit of the natural world? Is that... Is that I think the- that's one way. I think that's definitely one way. And, 
you know, traditionally a lot of shamanic cultures spent time in nature, not just in terms of daily life, but also time in nature to really be with the trees or be with the water Mm -hmm. or be on the mountain or take a walk someplace. And it's not just, you know, to take a, have a photo opportunity the way we are these days, but it is actually to attune to that deeper level of being that connects us all. And I think that's the piece that is the sacred piece. And it doesn't matter so much what you call it or how you describe it as much as that you feel it and you sense it with your heart. And when you are coming from that place, then I think, yeah, you can start to maybe make more conscious choices about how you're going to live with everybody, mm-hmm. how you're going to yeah. live with all these beings, and you know what what's what's going to make things work. Yes, I want to change subjects just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the show is called Passing for Normal, and the reason it's called Passing <laughs> for Normal is because um, all of my guests are doing very important work. And at the same time, uh, and unique work, and at the same time, what I would say, infiltrating the mainstream mm-hmm. to uh, to create effect that is a lasting effect. And so I like to ask my guests, and I'm going to ask you, you know, how is it that you do what you do? How is it that you have found the call, the bravery to to um, to represent and stand in an unseen world? that many people um, around you don't see, don't give any credence to? How is that you, that you do that? Mm. Well, I, I had a spiritual opening experience when I was in my 20s, and um, it was not drug-related, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just for the record. Uh, yes. Um, that was unmistakable. You know, it was a huge... Um, opening to these kind of unseen realms. And yes, I'd had some interest in spiritual things and had, you know, and so on. But that opening experience was, you know, irrefutable proof from my point of view of, yes, there really are these other realities. There really is um, this uh, deep connection that exists. And it was a big wake-up call for me to really start to get my life together and, you know, do... uh, kind of find my way as as a person. Um, and over time, I continued to pursue some different forms of spiritual practice, but then I did finally get involved. I had some wonderful teachers in other traditions um, who I know understood this you know, very well, mm-hmm. just worked in different traditions. But when I got involved with the foundation, uh, what pleased me is that the uh, and excited me was that, hey, this is work that's very practical, and this is work where you can really do something that can make a difference, um, that is utilizing these spiritual capacities that I think we, actually we all have. And our, our culture tends to deaden a lot of that or to routinize it into these uh, very particular pathways that, you know, it's you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way, you got to have these particular spirits and those particular spirits you can't have, and, you know, that, that mm-hmm, kind of yes. codify it. And shamanic experience is about direct revelation. It is a path of direct experience. So even though we mm-hmm. teach methods in the foundation's work, people are going to have their own experiences. And, um, you know, it's definitely something that... Um, 
I think it's really important people have their own experiences and not just get it from a book or that because somebody told them. And so for me, that's kind of how it happened. And the work with the foundation uh, got me starting to want to practice the things that I was learning, and that has evolved over you know these last uh, years. And uh, then at a certain point, I started teaching, and now I'm teaching all the programs that the foundation offers. And um, it's a privilege uh, from my point of view. And I do continue to work privately with people. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not trying to convert anybody, you know, to anything. I, no, I just, of course not. Yeah, but but I think you have to have a personal experience, you know, somewhere along the line uh, that really get, kind of fires you up, so to speak, inspires you, yes. you know, really mm-hmm. gets you like, okay, I got it. You know, this is what you are doing in your book, <laughs> is telling <laughs> a story, you know, that is a story of somebody waking up and going, oh, my God. <laughs> You know, yes, that's right. and going out in the world and, you know, doing something with it. And some people are called, you know, to do something that's more out there. Um, and some people are, you know, called to, you know, just live their lives in a particular way and the quality of life that they bring to the community of, of, of humans um, as well as the larger community of life on the planet. I, I think it adds up. Uh, I, I really do, and I think you know the more people who get it that hey, you know kindness is a good is a good thing <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know maybe yes. you don't have to go off and kill people you know to uh you know may have some I- I way of um really living responsibly uh, and uh, on the planet so you know to my mind i I feel fortunate that I had that experience um it changed. It was a game changer for me. It took me a long time to integrate it. It wasn't like it's something I got, you know, in five minutes. Um, yes. Uh, it really took a long time and a lot of living uh, to get there. And some people have that from, the, you know, from the get-go. Um, yeah. And so, oh. I, I, you know, that was just my story. And look at all the people whose lives you have touched, who you have taught, who you have held the ground for. Um, it's incredible the amount of people that you have touched with your work and with your presence. Well, I'm, you know, I, I, I often don't really think about that particularly, but... You of know, course you don't, because but, you're very humble, but you're also... Well, well, it's not just humble. It's just, you know, you, I'm just living my life and, you know, doing what I do. But, yes, it's true. You, you know, you can have an impact in a teaching situation or, you know, in a public event sometimes, if nothing else, just to get people to think you know, um, yes. about, hey, maybe there is another way of approaching things or of understanding, you know, uh, my life. And um, whatever that is, you know, uh, hopefully it's it's really uh, something that, you know, gets people up and moving, you know, in some way. And, and I, I really enjoy also working in uh, other settings, um than just in within the foundations programs or just within my private practice. I sometimes have done work, you know, talked at conferences or, you know, been part of, you know, some kind of a presentation or something. And and I love that because you get a lot of people who are really, I think, ultimately going in the same direction with, you mm-hmm. know, with the same kind of inspiration, but just expressing it in different ways. You know? Yes, absolutely. Well, Amanda, um this has been an incredible conversation and exploration and revelation 
um, with you. Before we conclude, I want you to tell people how they can find you, how they can find out more about you, how they can experience the work that you offer. Can you let us know? Yes, happily. Um, for the one one thing, the, all of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies programs are listed on their website, and all the faculty who teach that work, we're all there. And so you can contact us there. You can also read about the programs that the Foundation offers, and um, you know you can contact them for information about you know uh, who's who's the person to, to to connect with for any particular workshop. Um, Beyond that, I also have a website of my own, amandafolger.com, and the last name is spelled F as in Forest, O-U-L-G-E-R. And um, you can contact me through that website. And um, if you're interested in private work, you can also contact me about that. Or if you're interested in just, you know, learning more about shamanic practice, um, you know, all of those, those are the ways, you know, really to get in touch with me. And... Um, I, I don't know if it's appropriate to give an email address here, but I if you care it. to, please do. Sure, it's a Folger, spelled exactly that same way, at aol.com. So people could contact me that way too. And um, I'm, you know, here in uh, Southern California, and um, I, I'm, you know, this is where I work, and this is where I do most of my work. But I do teach in some other areas too, from time to time. Well, this is just fantastic, and I can say to our listeners that, um, you know, being in your presence, having sessions with you is such a rich um, and can be unexpected um, (laughs) fertile ground, just fertile ground for exploration and insight, and I so highly recommend uh, people getting in touch with you. So, Amanda, thank you so much for being on Passing for Normal. Thank you so much for Passing for Normal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Sharon, really. And, uh, you know, I I really appreciate your work as a change maker in your work as a creative artist, writer, and also your work in Continuum. Uh, You know, and really uh, all of it, I think, is... It's a beautiful kind of, you know, soup. You know, we're all like a, a soup. And uh, yes. it's a, yours is a really particularly delicious soup. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Welcome to lunch. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to passingfornormal.com. That's passing numeral four normal.com. Her novel, Donnie and Ursula Save the World, the funniest book about love, sex, and GMOs you'll ever read, is available in paperback, Kindle, and now as an audiobook wherever good books are sold and at DonnieandUrsula.com. So go out and do something brave today. M. Earth and I thank you. <laughs>